Um, by the way, if you are on YouTube right now, you're on YouTube live and you're not in our Discord community, you sleep. Join our Discord community, discord.gg slash opusfrere, discord.gg slash opusfrere. Also, there are folks who have messaged me saying, hey, I'd love to support your ministry. I'd love to, you know, to, to support financially. There's There are a few ways that you can do that, and you can click the link in the bio, um, the Hubi link that I have in my bio and also in my profile on TikTok. It's hoo.be slash opus frere you can find all the ways to support or to connect with us but the best way to support us is just to commit ten dollars a month be a be a patron and i know on discord you'll see it all the folks who've got their names in red those are all our patrons who support us and make this ministry possible we are here on because of their generosity because of their support and i'm truly grateful for each and every one of you if you're a patron I am grateful for you uh, because you're the reason why we're, we're still pushing on and we're going to expand and we're going to grow. We're going to continue to get the message of Jesus out there now because of your support. You're a part of this. And if you can't support, you just want to, you know, partake, fam, partake. OK, ain't no shame in that. Partake. Take what you can. Um, You know, I, we're not doing this because you support. We're doing this. Uh, We're not doing this for your support. We're doing this through the generosity of those who've come alongside us to make this all possible. And so, yeah, fam, don't feel any pressure. If you're not ready yet, or maybe you don't have the resources or you can't, just join our Discord community, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Um, but that's not what we're here to do. We're not here to just pontificate on who supports and who doesn't and all that good stuff. We're actually here to spend time in the word. We are closing out John today and I'm excited. And we're going to piggyback off of our conversation in our last episode uh, from John 19 uh, to John chapter 20. So if you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 20. And if you are here for the first time, what we do is, is we spend about 20 to 30 minutes reading scripture. Today's going to be a little shorter because we only have one chapter to read. And then we spend about 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on scripture. And the purpose of it is to journey with you through the entire Bible. I would love to hear more believers say, I've read the entire Bible. And some folks actually have done the first round with me, read through the New Testament, read through the Old Testament, and now they're reading through the New Testament again. If you're an OG, just put an OG, say I'm an OG, because we got OGs in here. Just put that in the chat. I'm an OG. Um, so you know who the OGs are, because we've got OGs who've done this. And here's what's exciting about it is that now that we're rolling through the New Testament again, if you were there the first time around, you're like, wow, there's new revelation. There's new perspective. Because what we're here to do is we're here to posture ourselves to receive from God. We're simply asking three questions today and allowing the Lord to speak to us through the text. We're asking God, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? So that's what we're here to do. We're here to spend time in his word and to ask the Lord to speak to us as we read his scripture. And so you have an opportunity to eavesdrop on just what I've, you know, my process and, um, and I'm just here just to share just thoughts with you. And that's why we call it a read and rant because we read, rant, you know, there's nothing organized here. I've got my tea. Whew. I've got green tea this morning. 
So I'm ready to go. And let's pray. And then we're going to roll and see where the Lord leads us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us, Lord, another day. Lord, you said in your word, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We come today with gladness. We enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise today. And as we enter, Lord, into your presence, Father, I pray as we read this word, let it do a work in us today. Father, bless us, Lord, as we close out this book, Lord, that we may be inspired to be who you've called us to be. Lord, speak to each and every one of us in a very specific way today as we read your text. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> John chapter 21. And I will read it. And you guys read along with me. It says this. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Sound familiar? But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far off, far, sorry, for they were not far from the land but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire, coal, fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net <clears throat> to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to, to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved 
because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you wish, where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter turned around, saw the disciple whom Jesus followed, sorry, whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that, his, that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are so there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. What a way to end a book. What a way to close it out. And there also are many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. I gave you a snapshot. That's what he's saying. I gave you a snippet. I gave you a, I gave you just enough. Just enough so that you may believe. Remember uh, in the last episode when we talked about the purpose of the book of John, which was actually in a couple of verses right before that in verse 30 and 31, particularly speaking in verse 31, when he says, but these are written, he's talking about these words that were written in this book. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That by believing you may have life in his name. It's a beautiful ending to a book to close it out with those words. But there are things that we see in this end that are inferred, which I can't help but actually point out. One being is that Jesus is having this beautiful, intimate encounter with Peter by the sea, has breakfast with Peter. Ask Peter three times, do you love me? And each time Peter answers that he does, commands Peter first to feed his lambs, to tend his sheep, to feed his sheep. 
And then to, to proceed to tell Peter the day is coming when you're going to die. Essentially what he's saying. There's going to be a day when they will carry you to a place that you do not wish. Peter dying brutally by sideways or upside down crucifixion, depending on who you ask. As it has been, been recorded, most would agree that it was an upside down crucifixion, which was significantly more painful than um, than the normal crucifixion. Albeit both just absolutely torturous the way that one would die in that way. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Peter's going to go. And Jesus asks Peter, and it's funny that Jesus meets Peter here. And he asks Peter these questions. Do you love me? And he asks Peter these questions three times. Pointing to the three times that Peter had denied him. And yet every place that Peter failed, Jesus gave him purpose. For every time that Peter had denied him, Jesus gave him purpose. Jesus restores Peter here. Understand that Peter, while he saw the death of Jesus and he heard the resurrection of Jesus and even saw the resurrected Jesus, still needed saving. And here, Peter meets Jesus. And when I say he still needed saving, there was still restoration left to be done for Peter. <laughs> and it's here in this intimate encounter with the resurrected Jesus, having breakfast with him by the sea, that Jesus restores Peter. He meets Peter in his place of failure. Meets Peter where Peter wasn't Peter. Up to this point, Peter seemed real bold. Peter was ready to step out. Peter would stand up for what he believed. Peter was one of those guys. He was a man who stuck by his word. Peter was that guy, y'all. And yet here, Peter, as we read just a couple chapters before, Peter fails. Chickens out. Denies Jesus three times. And yet even in his place of failure, just imagine how that was hanging on Peter to see all the things that transpired from that moment on, to see Jesus judge, to see him spit on, to see him beat, to see the crown of thorns on his head, to see his back shredded to pieces, to see all of it. And yet here he is now meeting the resurrected Jesus, seeing the scars on his body. Peter can't help to see a Jesus and to see his failures. Peter can't help to look at Jesus and see where he's gone wrong. Peter can't help to see Jesus right there and to see where he's failed Jesus. And Jesus meets him right there and asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Because I guess I love you. And then Jesus commissions him. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Commissions him. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. You know I love you. You 
you know me. You know everything in my heart. Lord, you know me. You know if I'm lying and you know if I'm telling you the truth. Lord, I love you and you know I do. And then Jesus commissions him. It's a reminder to each and every one of us that Jesus meets us where we failed. He meets us every time where we failed. His love covers a multitude of sins. And for many of us over and over again, we presented ourselves to be something we're not. Let's just be real. Some of us, we've thought really highly of ourselves, even in our religiosity, we've thought highly of ourselves. Remember that time when you were quote unquote living right? That time when you were doing all the right things and you felt really good about yourself. And then there you go. Falling short again. But Jesus meets each and every one of us right there. He's dining with Peter, having breakfast with Peter. Peter is in a state of failure here. Peter's moving on. Peter's like, man, I'm going to go fishing. Peter's going back to what he used to do. Peter's going back to who he used to be. Peter's going back to what was. Isn't it funny how sin and shame makes us do that? Funny how sin and shame makes us go back to our old ways to do our old things. But isn't it, fun isn't it funny that Jesus has a way of meeting us, reminding us of what he did when he did it the first time he did it? Don't forget, recall that this was, there was a very similar encounter that Jesus had with the disciples. Went through a very similar miracle. Jesus commissioned them and he said, I will make you not fishermen now, but fishers of men. Commissioned them in that moment, in that time. And yet they didn't know the depth of what that even meant when, it, when, he, when they heard it. And even when they had heard it, they had put down their nets went and followed Jesus. Ah, but now Jesus has died. And even though they've seen a resurrected Jesus, Peter has not stepped into his calling. He's broken, consumed by shame, consumed by guilt, consumed by what was, consumed by what he does, what he's done. And what do most of us do in our place of failure? We revert back to what, what we were most comfortable in. Back to what was, back to our BC days, before Christ days. Have you noticed that shame has a way of tempting us to go back to who we were, to do what we used to do, to revert to our default mode? Peter has refer, re reverted back to his default. I'm just going to go and fish. Hmm. Maybe it'll get my mind off of it. Maybe I'll just move on. Maybe I can just find another life after him. Maybe I can just, I don't know where this is going now. I'm so lost in all of it. And here Peter gets to sit down with Jesus again and have breakfast with him. Jesus called Peter for breakfast. How powerful is that? To know you have a God who graciously meets you right where you are. You have a God who graciously meets you even in your place of failure. You have a God that's not looking for your religious resume, but actually wants to dwell with you and dine with you. 
You have a God who wants you to trust in him and believe in him, not perform for him. Because if you believe in him, then you can become who he has called you to be. Too many of us are performing for Jesus. And we wonder why we feel still lost and purposeless in it because we're performing. You won't find purpose performing for Jesus. You will only find it in believing in Jesus. I'll say that again. You won't find purpose performing for Jesus. Hmm, but you will find purpose believing in him. You have to believe before you become. And many of us are waiting to become before we believe. Become who God has called you to be before you believe, but you gotta believe before you become. Believing is the prerequisite. It's going back to the whole purpose of John. John says that I've written these words so that you may have a life, so that you may believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, but also that by believing you may have life. This is the purpose of the book of John. Now we're here. Now it's clear that by believing, not in ideas, but believing that Jesus is the Christ, believing in his life, believing in his death, believing in his work, believing in his words, believing in him, you through believing, by believing, will live a life in his name. There are those of us that are just trying to figure that part out. How do I live a life in his name? This takes us back to, and, and this is the whole climax of this book, uh, the book of John. And we see these resolutions happening all across the board with all the disciples, with at least a lot of the key characters that we see here in the story. Mary Magdalene sees an empty tomb. And she's weeping there, sees a gardener, but doesn't recognize that it's Jesus. Because, and I've said this before, because she's looking for a dead Jesus, not a living one. And because she's searching and serving a dead Jesus, what did she do? She came with spices. The ladies came with spices. They came to serve a dead Jesus. I find that a lot of, and th th these are the three perspectives, and I presented this actually on Easter Sunday when I was uh, preaching. I presented the three perspectives that I see often in the church. I see the perspective of the dead Jesus. I would call these people who serve a dead Jesus spiritual morticians. They bring fragrances to pour over Jesus' body. They bring their worship, but they bring a worship for a dead Jesus, you know, to cover up the stench of sin, to cover up the stench of death, to cover up the, the brokenness and the sin. And a lot of folks, when they come, they come to pour out a certain fragrance over their sin. That's why they're there. Those who tend to worship as spiritual morticians tend to come to church with shame. They come before Jesus with guilt. 
They come before Jesus seeking his mercy, but never actually receiving his grace. A lot of folks want mercy, but they don't ever take the privilege of grace. Grace is when you get the things that you do not deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. And yes, the wages of sin is death. And many of us, we're trying to run away from death. We just want mercy. But God wants to give us more than that. He doesn't want to give us a life where we're just running from hell. He wants us to have a life more abundantly. He wants to give us grace so that we can get a life that we did not deserve. But many of us, we're stuck on asking God to just save us from what we've done. So we ask for mercy when God is offering us grace, which is so much more than mercy. So much greater than mercy. But those who worship a dead Jesus have a tendency to come before the presence of God or whatever semblance of the presence of God or whatever they're familiar, what they, whatever they familiarize themselves as the presence of God, they go there with the shame. It's solemn. It's fearful. It's, it's bondage. And so we come before the throne of grace, not boldly because we're coming with for mercy. And mercy doesn't, mercy doesn't warrant or license boldness. Mercy licenses timidity. And so what do we do? We come to church to ask God to wash us of our sins every time. Forgive me, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Lord, I did it again, forgive me. Lord, I did it again, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. And so we just do this over and over and over and over again, asking for forgiveness. Dead Jesus. It's funny how the Christian symbol is always dead. It's always the death of Jesus. We see crosses everywhere. I mean, we tattoo crosses. We put crosses all over our bodies. We put cross logos everywhere. The cross is the symbol of Christianity, which is kind of odd because many criminals died on the cross. And yes, Jesus may have died on the cross for all of our sins, but the true symbol of Christianity, what makes us distinct from everyone else is that we believe in his resurrection. Ah, but today's Christians are so focused on his death that all they seek after is mercy and all they partake in is the forgiveness of sins. When God wants to give you more than just eternal death, just a ticket away from eternal death, but rather he wants to give us a life more abundant. Here's the thing though, you serve a dead Jesus for long enough, it's not gonna keep you. Yeah, a dead Jesus, you do that for long enough, you're religious, you perform, you keep bringing the spices, you keep doing the best you can. You go through this whole performance thing over and over again, and then you realize over time, like, this is tired. Nothing's ever really changing in me. My heart's not really changing. Yeah, you're performing real good, but I don't, I, I just don't, I'm not changing because I keep failing over and over again. And most of us, our response to that is we do our best. We're just, we're just, we're, we're just going to do our best. Hoping that when we get to God, at least we could just say to God, God, I tried. I did my best. As if that's what God is looking for. Your best isn't good enough. 
how do you know you're going to heaven? Most people will answer, I did my best. I tried hard. Yeah, I, I was a good person. Yeah, man, I did the best I could. And I may have made a few mistakes along the way, but I did the best I could. Fam, your best isn't good enough to go to heaven. Not a single person's best is good enough. Your best won't get you in. And yet we've lived a life thinking that if we can just do our best, minimize the negatives, maximize the positives, that will be good enough. And yet God is asking for perfection. Not a single one of us has it. Your best isn't good enough. So what do you do now if your best isn't good enough? I mean, what do you want me to do, Pastor? You're telling me that, well, I'm trying as hard as I can. And yeah, I'm, I'm doing my best. And you're telling me my best isn't good enough. Am I hopeless? No, you're not hopeless because it was never up to you. Receiving the grace of God had nothing to do with how hard you try. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done. If only we could trust Jesus with what he did, maybe he, it would transform what we do. But some of us are fixated on doing what's best. And then eventually we get tired because our best is not good enough. Not good enough to change us. Not good enough to transform us. Not good enough to make anything better, really. And if it's better, it's marginal. So then what do we do? Most of us who grew up in church, we fall into passivity. Man, this is just my season right now. I'm just going to just do me. I mean, I'm already screwing it up anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm already messing it up anyway. I'm already, man, I'm, maybe this is who I am. Oh, I can hear some people right now going, I've been there. I know what that looks like. I know some people right now that'll say, yeah. And there's some people, if you, if you would be honest, you might be there right now. Like you might be thinking that right now, man, I, I love Jesus, and I, I, but man, I just, I keep messing this thing up. Maybe this is who I am. Maybe I'm just not good enough. I'm just going to do me. Maybe later on, this will figure itself out. Some of us, that's where we are waiting for God to figure ourselves out. So what happens? Jesus just disappears. He's out of the picture. He's not in our marriages. He's not in our finances. He's not in our homes. He's not in our lives. He's not in our careers. He's not in our plans because now it's like, bro, I, I, I'm just going to do me, man. I'm just going to try the best I can. The spiritual rat race. So emblematic of what we see here because Mary came to worship a dead Jesus. Pour spices on a dead Jesus to see a dead Jesus. And she looks in the tomb and what she sees is a missing Jesus. And I preach this and I'm just giving you a quick snapshot. And this is what I'm meditating on because it's going to lead us to our, uh, my, my final thought as we close out this book of John. And as we go into the book of Acts, which is going to be, you're going to see this all come to light as we read through the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts is just the revelation of Jesus, a living Jesus. I, I, I'm, I'm so moved by this because I believe that this generation now is getting past the, I can just keep doing this thing with a missing Jesus because Jesus has been missing for a long time. 
Jesus has been missing in a lot of churches. Don't get it twisted. Jesus has been missing for a long time in a lot of homes who use the who say they're Christian or use the word Christian and maybe they had been baptized when they were kids or maybe water was sprinkled on them and they were baptized into the Catholic church or baptized into a church and and maybe they thought that was good enough. Fam. Fam. If you really evaluate your life, some of us, if we could just be honest, fam, Jesus has been missing for a while. We might tack his name on stuff, but he's not really there. Because the reality is, is we don't even see how Jesus does anything for us now. I'm still a screwed up person. I still can't figure it out. This is what you're telling yourself. I still can't. And so at this point, there ain't nothing I can really do. So I'm just going to do me missing Jesus. But Mary stays and she persists at the tomb. And Mary Magdalene has an encounter with the living Jesus. She went from dead Jesus to missing Jesus, then to living Jesus. My prayer for some people is that in the season where Jesus is missing, may you stand in that gap and may you mourn the fact that he's missing. Because if you can mourn him missing right there, you may have an opportunity to look up and see Jesus who was there the whole time. You just couldn't see him because you're grieving, broken, confused, tired, done with all the stupidity that you've seen in Jesus' name. You're tired of all the tired statements that people have made. You're tired of the fakeness. You're tired of all of that. And you've been done with church. You've been done with all of it. And so you're like, man, I'm done with all this. I'm, I'm tired of all of it. But somewhere in your heart, you're still grieving and mourning the fact that there's a hole in your life where Jesus should be, and yet you can't find Jesus in any of it. And in that moment of mourning and grieving, as Mary is grieving there at the grave where the tomb is empty, as she's grieving right there, she speaks to the gardener, not knowing that he's Jesus. And when he calls her name, she calls him back and she says, Rabboni. My prayer this year for a lot of people who find themselves in the gap where Jesus is missing. My prayer is that you would hear Jesus call your name. My prayer is that you would hear Jesus call you. Because the word rabbi is a teacher, the teacher. Rabboni was intimate. It was personal. It was my teacher. And may Jesus become someone who is personal to you, who you get to meet and know. And to know that he loves you and knows you more than anybody else. We see what happens in between the time where Jesus is missing 
in the time where Jesus appears. And many may have believed in what Jesus could do, but not many had believed in him as the Christ, the son of God. And that by believing, then they could live the life. Your life will not be transformed by a dead Jesus. Your life will not be transformed by a missing Jesus, but a living Jesus. Ooh, the son of God, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, this word, we get to partake in it and be a part of it. And we get to dwell with it. And this living Jesus now who has resurrection power begins to live in each and every one of us. There's power in believing. And that's my prayer is that for those who believe in Jesus as the Christ, the son of God, your life transforms and you begin to live a life in his name. Mary can live a life in his name because she believed in the living Jesus. Thomas can live a life in his name, in his name, because he believed in the living Jesus. And now Peter, who probably was questioning what he was seeing every time that he saw it. And notice every time they see Jesus, they're seeing his glorified body. So they're not even sure, like, wait, hold on. Is that Jesus? I, that's, that's Jesus, y'all. Like, Bro, I think that's Jesus. They're probably having they're probably having breakfast with him again. They're like, "Yo, this is, bro, this is Jesus. Isn't this wild? Like, this is hold on. Is this like just think about how they were processing that?" And Peter, knowing it, now he gets to talk to Jesus and meet with Jesus because when you meet the living Jesus, he meets you where you fail. He meets you where you've been lost. He meets you where your mind has been going crazy. He meets you where you're broken. He meets you right there. And everything you've been trying to fill in that gap, Jesus goes in and meets you right there. The book of John is a powerful story of how one moves from powerlessness to purpose, how one goes from unbelief to belief to becoming. Peter is about to become a champion of the gospel. And it's in this moment when Jesus becomes his living Jesus, not Mary Magdalene's living Jesus, not Thomas's living Jesus, but his living Jesus. May we be free today from the dead Jesus. May we walk flat, flat footed into what God has called us to be through our belief in him as the resurrected living Jesus. My prayer for each person who hears this today is that we wouldn't just like the ideas of doctrine and of God, but that we would believe in his resurrection, that then we could partake in his resurrection and to live out his resurrection. It's then we can understand what Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He said, oh, that I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection. That same resurrection power that's in Jesus is in each and every one of us. We'll read all that in Paul's words. And I pray for that same resurrection power to be in each and every one of us. So today, family, believe in the living Jesus. 
believe in the living God. And by believing in the living God, not in just religion, but in the living God. By believing in Jesus as the Christ, Mm. the Son of God, you will live a life in his name because the Holy Spirit will give you power to do so. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us today. Lord, you've given us the grace to come today to gather, Lord, through this, through through technology, Lord, and that we can celebrate not only your death, sorry, not only remember your death, but that we could celebrate your resurrection. And so today I pray, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord, to believe, to be aware, to know, not to be governed by the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I love y'all. God bless you guys. It is so awesome that we got to do this this week. This week has been an all YouTube thing. Um, I would love to get your thoughts on Patreon. Um, My patrons, if you can go on the patron text chat, give me your thoughts on it. Let me know how you guys felt about um, our format this week. It wouldn't be maybe a regular format, but at least it helps with um, a lot of the you know, engagements and the obligations that I have that I'll be able to establish some more consistency doing it this way. And so um, while we're going to still be on Discord uh, for most of the time, but this is a great way for us to stay connected and to stay plugged in and to continue to grow and journey in his word, especially in times where there are obligations. So let me know your thoughts on that. And I want to encourage you guys once more, if you are here, um, please join us. Join us on Discord, discord.gg slash opus, O-P-U-S-F-R-E-R-E, discord.gg slash O-P-U-S-F-R-E-R-E. Also, prayerfully consider becoming a patron. Your support means the world to us. And I know there are folks who actually have supported by more than the amount, but at least the minimum support of $10 would mean the greatest. It'd be the, the most amazing thing. It'd be awesome if you could support us. Um, it's why we do this. We can do, it's why we, we're able to continue to do this. Not why we do it, but why we're able to continue to do this. Because um, we could we were doing this before all of this and we'll continue to do it regardless. It's just that it allows us to do it in a way that can reach more and more people. And so um, we just ask that you uh, prayerfully consider supporting us, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. And to support us on Patreon, it'll be patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Patreon.com slash Isaac, I-S-A-A-C-F-R-E-R-E. Support us there. Make the vision a reality. Partner with us so that we can get the word out to the world. Um and also, I'm excited about all the stuff that we have coming up soon. Um, but again, it's taking us time to get there because, again, we're planting a church. All again, this is a testament to our Patreon community who really opened the door to help us really hear from God about what he was calling us to do next. So I, I look forward to going on this journey with you guys. Um, if you have any questions, anything, message us on Discord. Um, we got a whole community there. We got moderators. We got a whole team, people who are praying uh, for you as well. So be sure to put your prayer requests on there. Praise reports. Please share your praise reports as well. Uh, we we love to be a family here. This is this is church. This is family. 
And I'm glad to be able to do it with you all. God bless you guys. See you guys on Monday.